Welcome to Choir Talks. I'm Greg O'Neill, the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi, and Choir Talks is the podcast version of the devotion or the biblical thought that I would give my choir during a rehearsal on Wednesday nights. I love to find instances in the Bible where there is a name given for God. Those names are deep with meaning. They reveal something of God's nature or his character. I find those names super helpful in in my prayer life or uh, as I'm learning to pray and and learning just to think about God as those names just conjure up um, images of the way to think about God. This year I'm reading through the Bible here starting in January and parenthetically just want to encourage you to consider doing the same thing it's not too late you can start right now you may not make it by December 31st but um, you can start right now and do that along with me it's an awesome thing to do but of course reading through the Bible here in January I am in Genesis and in Genesis I came to this passage Genesis 16 um, Hagar speaks and says you are the God who sees me for she said I have now seen the one who sees me. Let's backtrack for a minute. Here is the story so that you'll understand who's speaking and what she's talking about. The speaker here is Hagar. Hagar was an Egyptian woman who became the servant of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah had been promised that by God that they would have a child and through that child uh, they would be blessed and the world would be blessed. But That promise was slow in coming, and they were losing faith. And so they decided to take matters into their own hands. And Sarah suggested to Abraham that that he take her, her servant, Hagar, to be his other wife, which he did. And through Hagar, uh, there was a child to be born. Hagar became pregnant, and when she did, she began to act differently toward uh, Sarah. And Sarah became angry about that, and and, um, she says this to Abraham. You are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And then Abraham says, your servant is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think is best. Now, this is not Abraham and Sarah's finest moment, for sure. Um, They are taking this young woman and and just treating her as property as as perhaps they saw her. They are mistreating her, ill-treating, and um, and this comes at a a terrible moment for Hagar. And so uh, it goes on to say that Sarah mistreated Hagar, and so Hagar fled from Sarah. I want to see if you can identify for just a minute with Hagar. Maybe there's a moment in your life, maybe you're in it right now, where you can identify with what she's going through to some extent. Hagar was a throwaway person. At that moment in her life, uh, she, the people around her had no value for her. She was mistreated by someone that should have been a person of respect, someone that she should have been able to look up to and respect, the mistress of the house, and yet she was mistreated by her. And pregnant, At her most vulnerable point, she was cast aside. She was abandoned. She had to flee. She was left alone to wander in the desert, which would be super dangerous for a uh, pregnant woman to do by herself. 
want you to just think about her position for a minute. Have you been there? Are you there right now? Do you have those moments when you just feel abandoned? When somebody that should have been respectable has uh, pushed you aside and you are there in the desert. Here's the awesome part of this story. She wasn't alone there in the desert. Verse 7 says this, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I love how he asked two questions here. You know, when you are abandoned, when you're out in that desert by yourself, uh, it's a time of self-reflection. It's a time to um, think about some of these questions. He asked two questions. And of course, the, the angel of the Lord knew exactly who she was, where she was coming from and where she was going. And yet he asked those questions of her just so that she would have self-reflection. Where are you coming from um, should make you stop and think in the desert, what is it that I'm afraid of? What am I running away from in my life to end up in this moment? What is it that I'm afraid of? And then he asked a second question, where are you going? The Bible doesn't record that she even knew where she was going. She was just running away. But in those moments, we need to ask ourselves, where am I going? Where, where am I going to find help? Where's my help going to come from? It's a moment in your life when it calls for uh, self-reflection to ask those questions. So she says to the angel, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her and I will increase your descendants so much so that they will be too numerous to count. And so uh, the angel of the Lord uh, gives her some assurance, gives her some promises about um, her yet-to-be-born child and the blessings that were going to be poured out uh, on him. Uh, who is this angel of the Lord? I don't know. There's a lot of debate um, he speaks not only as a messenger of the Lord, but he speaks with some authority here to uh, offer this blessing to her. And I'll just leave that right there. Who knows um, who he is? Some people place him as the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, he's an interesting figure for sure. And then it's this point in the story that um, Hagar names him. And she's, uh, verse 13 says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, now I have seen the one who sees. Um, two really cool things here. When she thinks about the Lord, her experience with him is, he sees me. In that desert place, when I'm totally abandoned, I feel totally alone, he sees me. And Hagar, who uh, at this point felt alone and felt by herself, now sees him. She sees the one who has pursued her, who has come to seek and save the lost, the one who has found her. She sees him now. Uh, a little over a decade ago, I was really going through a difficult time. It was a desert, runaway in the desert kind of moment in my life. Um, can't really describe the whole thing, but I was just struggling with several things in my life, and particularly my um, call to ministry. Uh, I was feeling ineffective, and um, I was struggling with that. And during the midst of that, um, I had to go to a, a conference 
with my, some of my peers from uh, around the southeast. And at that conference, I just began to feel worse. I just felt like I was surrounded by people who were called by God and empowered by him to do the thing that I was supposed to be able to do. And um, God was just using them in mighty ways. And I just began to feel sorry for myself, feeling like I was not being used in those ways, that I was not seeing uh, God work in the ways that they were seeing him work. And uh, I just began to have a pity party. And uh, so uh, we, there was a, a worship service as a part of that conference, and I attended that worship service and just began to sing. Something unusual about this worship service, this is over a decade ago, but it was live streamed, which was really new technology back at that point. Almost nobody was doing that. But they live streamed that. And uh, I had, I had a, a young person, a student, who was serving as my intern at, at that time. And uh, he had been such a blessing to me and such a blessing to our ministry. And he really would have loved to come to that conference with me, but there wasn't budget money for me to bring him. And so uh, he was watching along on live stream so that he could kind of soak up what the conference was about and learn himself. So I'm sitting in this worship service, and God is, is speaking to me, and I'm speaking back to the Lord, somewhat of a depression, and just expressing... Um, where I was to him. And the word that came to my mind was, for whatever reason, was invisible. Like I'm surrounded by all these people, but I just feel like I am in my own little world and they are doing what God wants them to do. And I just feel invisible for whatever reason. That was the word that stuck in my mind. And as I prayed, I said that to the Lord, Lord, I'm just invisible here. And right at that moment, I got a text on my phone and I pulled it out in worship. By the way, don't do that. Don't pull out your phone in worship. But I did. And uh, it was it was from my intern. He was watching on live stream. And, and as I was praying that, uh, the live stream camera flashed across me. And he said, texted me, Brother Greg, I see you. That was a powerful moment to me. Um, it may not sound powerful to you, but I believe God was speaking through that incident. In that moment that I felt invisible, I got the exact words that I needed to hear. I see you. It was more meaningful to me that they, they came from him. They came from someone who was sort of my understudy, someone that um, I had influence over and that God was using me to mentor at that moment in my life, someone that maybe I was discounting the fact that God was indeed at work in me and, and through me. And when he said that, I was reminded not only was God listening to my prayer and saw me, but that I did have value, that I was discounting, that God was using me, and that um, the ones he had called me to lead did see me. I was not invisible. Um, I don't know where you are in your life. If you're out in the desert in that moment or not, or you will be at some point, I want you to remember this title for God, Jehovah Roi, the God who sees me. And know that the Father's eye is on you. Have a great day.